Hello and welcome back to Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the staples of our childhood. Today we're recording episode 80, and I'm your host Jeremy, and with me today is my older brother Jonathan. Shush. Jonathan. It is lovely weather we are having. I hope the weather continues to be mild. If the weather continues, we are in for a lovely summer. <laughs> the area is secure. Are you okay? Well, of course I'm all right. Quack, quack, everybody. <laughs> what, a, what an entrance. Man, it's good to be back on the show. This is the second episode in a row where I feel like I've been doing funny voices at the beginning. So I don't know if this yeah. is a theme for like 2023 of Inside Quotes. <laughs> I said funny. I didn't say good, though. Let's just set the record straight. <laughs> well, there's that disclaimer for everyone listening. If there's any French people listening, we are sorry. But we will mutilate. The French accent. We find your accent funny. For sure, for sure. And I definitely feel like my accent is going to slip into Mr. Lunt at some point from VeggieTales, but... <laughs> Who's not even French, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying there's three French Mr. Twisties Cheese Girl Sweepstakes. Anyway, today we're covering a movie that this is my, this is my pick. This is my movie. And I picked this one today. This is The Pink Panther 2006, the remake with Steve Martin. Um, it came out on February 10th, 2006, had a budget of $80 million and made about $160 million, so it like doubled its money. So uh, pretty good, pretty good. Now, Jonathan, do you know if the director was a man or a woman? Well, of course I do. What else would it be? The kitten? <laughs> no, for real, like, who, who directed this? Uh, that would be uh, Sean Levy. Oh, okay. Previously worked with Steve Martin on the Cheaper by the Dozen movies. Um, yeah. He also did Night at the Museum, right? Sure did. He sure did. Uh, he's definitely done a lot of good... Uh, we've talked about him before on the podcast. Um, he's he's done some movies that we've covered before. Probably some movies we're going to cover in the future. Um, Big Fat Liar. He did Big Fat Liar. That's correct. I see it now. <laughs> Biffle. Um, yeah, but Jonathan, this movie is an entire staple. Even though this is your movie, I believe this is a staple for both of us. For sure. In fact, it might, it might. When I say staple, it's probably one of the stapliest staples I've ever stapled before. So, I'd say so. Um, before we get into the movie, though, Jeremy, I feel like we had like a little bit of housekeeping that we needed to do. Oh yeah, yeah. We got a review. We did. <laughs> We've been begging for years, and we got a we got a new review. Five stars at that. <laughs> yeah, why don't you go ahead and read that review? All right. We got a review. Username Jabin86. It says, 90s kids eat your heart out. All the flashbacks, nostalgia, and warm fuzzies. Letterbox score, five stars. So, Ooh, thank you. We're on Letterboxd, huh? Nice. Yeah, this is, this is cinema, what we're doing every week on this show. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, sending in that review, and we love you, and please do more. Well, you don't have to do another one, because you already did one. But. Yeah, I'll have to look at the date on that review and see what I promised around that time, because I, I promise yeah. a lot of things every episode for a five-star review. But we do so. promise, if you do review, 
give us a review. We will read it live on the show. So if you want us to read some some words about ourselves, then you know what to do. Um, but yeah, and uh, I actually have some housekeeping. We had some feedback from the last episode uh, when we covered Ice Age. Remember when I was talking about um, how like bananas tasted different back then, like back like sixty years ago, and you thought I was making it up? Yeah, I was. I was pushing back on that a little bit. I was like, <laughs> "Where's this coming from? Where's the Where's the proof? Where's the <laughs> the facts here? You're just like stating these facts about food that I've well, never heard I don't of. have I don't have much proof at all. But I did have two listeners uh, message us, and uh, one was from Brandon Gunn, and he said that I'm absolutely correct about the bananas. Uh, they, the reason they taste different is because they have been selectively grown to make them easier to mass produce and to eliminate the seeds being in the part we eat. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then so he's backing our, you up. Yeah, he's backing me up. He's backing me up. Um, so Nick Carver also says uh, it's the Cavendish banana. I, I don't know what Cavendish is, but sounds legit to me. Uh, and it's like, the banana flavored candy is what they used to taste like. Claims from people who ate bananas before the 60s. Hmm. So, if you've had a banana Laffy Taffy, that's what bananas used to taste like. Some people hate that flavor. I was going to say, I feel like that's controversial. Yeah. I love it. So, bring me an old banana. But it's kind of sad that that flavor of banana is kind of extinct. I guess it was appropriate to talk about on Ice Age. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry. I feel like I had to push back, though, and I feel like it generated some good feedback from our listeners. That's good. Yeah. And I'll, I'll soften my approach on that. Next time you have some more <laughs> undisputed food facts, um, maybe I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we thank you guys for being our fact checkers, too. That was awesome. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, Jeremy, do you remember the first time you saw the Pink Panther? Um. Also, side question before you answer that. Had you seen the cartoon of like the animated Pink Panther before yes. you watched the movie? Okay, I was not point. aware. Me being the Gen Z millennial, young millennial, um, I was not really aware of the old movies with Peter Sellers. And I, I was like, oh, they're making a movie after the Pink Panther skits from on on Boomerang, and uh. I was pretty disappointed when I didn't see a Pink Panther in the they recast they recasted the Pink Panther as a diamond in this movie. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well I guess we won't see any hijinks going on. So were you I guess you kinda answered that. I was gonna ask if you were confused by that. I was kinda confused, yeah. I didn't really know what the Pink Panther was mm -hmm. except for that cartoon. Yeah, I mean I was in the same boat. Because these weren't the the old Pink Panther movies were not ones that we had or that we watched growing up or anything like that, and I had mm -hmm. like seen the cartoons, but I wasn't you know it wasn't like I was even a fan of those really I'd just seen them on TV, yeah. And really the only thing that got me interested in watching this movie was just the trailer. Like I just remember this trailer being on a lot of DVDs. Yeah, this is probably one of the most quotable trailers, I'd say. And I think I, I watched this trailer funny. <laughs> yeah, I remember that being in there. Oh, this is one of those cases where the trailer of a movie is overplayed a lot, and mm. most of the people that quote this movie, you only quote from the trailer 
because it's imprinted in their minds. And I feel like that the quote that I'm talking about is like the dialect coach scene where he's like, I would like to buy a hamburger. Mm -hmm. Like ask anybody on the street what their favorite quote from the Pink Panther. It's I would like to buy a burger. You know, (laughs) it's funny. It's very funny. Um, But I think it was a little overdone, especially when they make the trailer like rely heavily on that one joke. And I'll just go ahead and mention it. Like that's like probably my least favorite scene of the whole movie. Like you can't help, but you can, it's funny. I feel like it goes on, it goes on too long and it's like the one thing that people quote all the time. Yeah. But I do concede it. It is funny. I think it's just, it just gets overplayed. It goes on. That's the problem. That's the problem with this movie. (laughs) First of all, no problems with this movie, but the problem (laughs) with this movie is it's too funny. Like there's so many quotes. It's hilarious in this movie. It's so <laughs> quotable that that is our least favorite quote. Yeah, and that's what that's probably everyone's favorite. This movie has a wealth and a plethora of quotes, if you will. Basically, I remember I was hooked by the trailer. We didn't go see this in theaters, but I think we got it. I think we got it from Blockbuster or something, and we watched it, or the library, one of the two. And after I watched it, I think I was about 14 at the time that this came Mm -hmm. out. Basically, after I watched this, I thought it was like so funny. Like I thought (laughs) it was really good. And it was like way better than I expected from the trailer. It was like the trailer had undersold me on it. And when I got to it, I was like, this is this is actually a genuinely funny movie. Yeah. And I felt like because of my the age range I was like, I was starting to get some of the more some of the innuendo in the movie. The high brown. But it was still like kind of in the family friendly realm. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of push the boundaries here and there. No, there's but I definitely thought... some jokes that I got this time through that went right over my head. So I felt like I, I was I, I could appreciate it more as a 14 yeah, year old. Yeah. Um, but after that, like I got super curious about like all the old movies. And so I like did the deep dive. And so I've done the deep dive for all our listeners here on all of the old Pink Panther movies yeah, with Peter I, Sellers. <laughs> I definitely can safely say I've never seen a single one of those all the way through. <laughs> the only thing I remember about the Peter Sellers original series, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, is that one scene where he jumps in a pool of jello. <laughs> and then there's one scene where he goes to a nudist beach. I don't know if that's even the same movie, but it's a different one. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Weird vibes for sure. He's like chasing a suspect and he ends up at this like nudist colony and he's like walking around with like a guitar covering himself <laughs> trying to find the suspect. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and explain the Pink Panther, the difference between the movies and like what the cartoon is. Let us know. Let the listener know about the Pink Panther Cinematic Universe, the PPCU. That's right. First movie, the first movie is called The Pink Panther, just like the 2006 one. Although, one thing I credit the, the Steve Martin reboot is it's not a remake. Like, it's an original story. Yeah. I think some That's of the cool. gags are like an homage to some of the other movies, but for the most part, like it's, a, it's like a different story. Mm-hmm. So it's not a remake. But the original one is called The Pink Panther, and it's like, there's like this... Uh, this princess there and she's holding this diamond that's called the pink panther and the reason it's called that is because it's like a pink diamond and it's got 
a flaw in the diamond that like when you look at it in the light, it looks like there's like this moving dancing panther in there in the reflection of the really of the diamond. It's like a flaw. But for that, it makes it worth like a lot of money. That makes a lot of sense. And so that's Was where like... the origin is. And the, the original movie has a title sequence with the original, the classic Pink Panther theme. Mm-hmm. And in the title sequence, you see Inspector Clouseau. He's trying to solve this case that's in that the story of that first movie. Yes. But you see, that's where the, the Pink Panther comes in. Is like in these title sequences of these movies. And I guess just like the cartoon of the opening sequences like caught on was popular that's where that turned into like a separate thing of like with the cartoons that you saw Mm -hmm. in like boomerang (laughs) um and so as they go on and and also funny enough the first movie like inspector clouseau is not the main character whatsoever he's like a very much a side character and he just like steals the show that they started to revolve the series around him going forward as this like bumbling detective because he did so well yeah Kind of like when they kept Andy on in Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so as the movies go on, there is there are like a couple others that like involve the diamond again, where they go back to that that well of like the a diamond's been stolen or whatnot. Um I feel like that flaw wasn't put in the new movie though, right? I I just a big old pink diamond. They don't explain it in the new movie, but if you it kind of makes sense when you look at the title sequence because it like shows the Pink Panther diamond, like, okay. and then in like an animated version, and you see like the Pink Panther like dancing and like snapping his fingers to the like to the music, like in the diamond sort. Of, it kind of shows it visually, <laughs> but they don't really explain why it's called the Pink Panther diamond in the new movie. Interesting. Well, and as the movies go on, like. Cluzo just becomes known as the Pink Panther, like as a detective, because he's he's famous for solving that case. And uh-huh. so he gets kind of referred to as that. So how many how many movies are there? Um, there's a lot of movies. The continuity is all over the place on these movies. Okay. Um uh, let's see. I think there's there's probably like I mean, including the new ones, there's probably like 10 of them or something like that. Eight oh to 10. Oh my goodness. Wow. Not that's a lot. I think there's like six that had Peter Sellers in it. And then he passed away and they like tried to do new things with new people. Like in the, once in the 80s and once in the 90s. And okay. it just didn't really take on, even though it had some of the same same director and Sam, some of the same side characters. Um, you're, you're, what you're telling me is that this is the comedic James Bond. I would I would definitely consider that. I was going to mention that. Like this is for me like these are my old Bond movies. <laughs> like, yeah. Cuz we didn't grow up watching those James Bond movies, but this <laughs> is for for me this was like much more my oh, cup boy. of tea. <laughs> was these uh Pink Panther movies. I would so, say overall are they essential to watch? No. Um <laughs> they definitely every single one of them has some great moments in them. But I think some of the older ones are definitely, um, you know, are kind of slower paced. But I find them pretty entertaining. But I will go ahead and say, and this might be, you know, Peter Sellers purists might hate me for this. But I, I feel like genuinely like this reboot is like my favorite Pink Panther movie. It's the one that like makes me laugh the most. <laughs> <laughs> and we just lost a couple purists. I feel like it got hated on when it came out. 
but some some newer reviews that I've seen that I've checked it out have actually like conceded this actually has some funny moments to it. Like it's not as bad as people say it is. Yeah, I was looking at that in my notes and it I wrote down there are very few seconds that go by without a joke. And it's kind of exhausting actually. <laughs> um in a good way, but I can tell how some people wouldn't like this movie because it's just an oversaturation of humor. But, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? I don't, don't I feel like it. I feel like most of the jokes land. There's only a few, you know, like the like the dialect coach scene that goes on a little bit long. Yeah, but that lands with people though. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that's true. So um, I don't know. Let's go back to the old movies. I have a okay. couple questions because I still haven't seen these, and I don't know if I've mm-hmm. landed yet. <laughs> um, is the Pink Panther Diamond a part of every single movie? Okay, no. So the first. I started to explain it. Um, and the first one, there's like the, it takes place at this ski resort mm-hmm. and there's like this princess there and she has the diamond and she's like spinning and she's got bodyguards, but there's also a jewel thief there. There's also inspector Clouseau on his honeymoon with his wife or something like that, or vacation okay. with his wife. Um, and so like a jewel thief steals it or is trying to steal it. And they're trying to figure out, I can't remember if there's a murder in that one. I, I, I don't remember all the details, but, but Clouseau is trying to solve the case on that one. That okay. one definitely involves the diamond. The okay. second movie is called A Shot in the Dark. That one does not. Um, that's just, uh, just a murder case okay. that he's trying to solve in Paris. The third one, they do go back to the well where um, I guess the, the, the diamond is recovered and it's in a museum, but someone is trying to impersonate the jewel thief from the first movie and they steal the diamond. And so he's like called back in because he's, he's worked on the case before. Okay. Um, and it goes on from there. The plots get crazier and weirder. Not all of them involve the diamond, but that's where I was explaining where Clouseau, the character himself just becomes known as the pink Panther detective. And so that's why it keeps the same name. It's the same universe and that sort of thing. Hmm. And then, um, is the diamond as big as it looks like in this movie? (laughs) Or is it just a regular, just pink diamond? I think it's, I mean, it's definitely bigger. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't look like just like a diamond ring or anything like that. I think it is a a bigger jewel. Probably not as big as in this new movie, though. This new movie, it was the size of a coffee mug. (laughs) I can't believe that dude could hold his hand up. (laughs) Um, which one is your favorite? Peter Sellers movie. The one that I have always said, I feel like it's not even all the way through, but it has some of my funniest scenes is called the pink Panther strikes again. Okay. Um, the first one is really good, but I feel like it has, I, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but the, the ending kind of rose me the wrong way. And it also does not go with the continuity of the rest of the movies. Okay. Um, the second, I feel like the second one, A Shot in the Dark, is kind of the, probably the most famous one, probably regarded as the best one. Um, but yeah, Pink Pink Panther Strikes Again, that one's got some some great moments. Okay. Definitely, it's definitely worth, if you don't want to watch the movies, like, check out, like, Peter Sellers, Pink Panther, like, compilations on YouTube, because there really is some great, great scenes, and Peter Sellers is, like, a great comedic actor. Uh, from that time hear that listener you got homework homework uh yeah all right well that's enough of 
that's the history lesson on the Pink Panther franchise. Oh, and they actually are like bringing it back. Like they're they actually are not. they actually are apparently working on a Pink Panther uh, reboot now. You know, Steve Martin not, not with Steve on Martin. It. Okay. No, it's a whole thing. But they are for the first time they are incorporating um, the Pink Panther. It's like a live action CGI animation hybrid. Oh. Where like where like Cluzo sees and like interacts with the Pink Panther. And it's being directed by the guy who made the Sonic movies. So that kind of gives you an idea of like what it might look uh, like. Which okay. I've never seen those movies, but that's kind of what they're working on have in the works right now. <laughs> well, okay. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. It's a it's a, a little scary, new, but new it's idea. Fun. So this movie came out in two thousand six. Where were you in 2006? What grade were you in? I was in like fourth grade, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I was in fourth grade. So um, I don't really have any, I don't have a lot of stories about this movie other than we quoted it a lot, but yeah. it definitely brings me back to that time because I was in ninth grade. And the weird thing about my ninth grade year was that I was technically still going to a middle school because I was at FCA. Yeah. So we went to this is the private school FCA and it had a junior high that included seventh through ninth grade. So it was really weird. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting though, because in a way, you know, most people are like a freshman in high school and they're like the bottom on the totem pole, like, you know, the, the bottom feeders, right. you know, at this point you're in ninth grade, but you're like Kings of the school. Right. Yeah. Like you're in charge. Like everyone's looking <laughs> up to you. That's a good life hack right there. Just go to a middle school for ninth grade. So yeah, I, I just skipped that whole freshman year. And then I just went <laughs> over to another high school and started out sophomore year. And I was like, well, I'm not a freshman here. So I'm, co- I'm kind of cool, right? <laughs> but I definitely remember like this was a movie that got quoted a lot like at school. And like I just remember stealing a lot of funny lines from this movie and passing them off like I said it. <laughs> And just making it look like I was the cool ninth grader at school that like was funny and bro, who's this ninth grader that has a French accent? Is he an exchange <laughs> student? Dude's an idiot. Definitely, like there was people I was quoting it with, but I feel like I just like there's so many quotes, there's so many jokes in this movie, and I just I just really takes me back to that time of like being like the king of my private school for <laughs> one year. Yeah, I think when I started entering into high school. I think part of the reasons why I actually like sat through all those old Pink Panther movies was just because I was like really into comedy and like I, I yeah. had like made an effort to like watch a lot of comedy movies. You're really into Mel Brooks stuff and <laughs> you were a f- uh, year, a couple years after that you were in like TV production. Yeah. We thought you were going places and look where you are. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a, um, the American Film Institute has like lists of like the best movies of all time, but they also have them like broken up into like categories. Like there's a list here of hundred years, a hundred laughs, like over the last yeah. hundred years, what are the top 100 comedies or something? I remember at one point, like going through this list and like making an effort to like watch a lot of them. Yeah. I wouldn't say I've seen even like half of these movies, but I, I did like go through and I have seen a lot of them. List um, all hundred of them right now on the show. I'll do it off the top of my head. Um, well, I mean, the, the number one was a movie, an old movie called Some Like It Hot, and I watched that just because it was number one. I watched that with you. I remember yeah, that I got was that really one funny. From the library. 
there's a lot of I think that's where I discovered the Marx Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Duck Soup. Um, but yeah, I remember actually, this era very well. Okay. A Shot in the Dark. It, that's the second Pink Panther movie that is on this list. Some Like It Hot was number one though. Yeah, on their list. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to watch that one again. Yeah. The top five is is Some Like It Hot, Tootsie, Doctor Strange Love, Annie Hall, and Duck Soup. So I've at least seen the top five. Duck Soup slaps. <laughs> I think it's better than Some Like It Hot. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, well, I wonder how French people take this movie when it's like mainly British actors and an American doing a stereotypical French accent. That's true. <laughs> I don't feel like there's any French person in this movie whatsoever. <laughs> it's really bad. And you think you wonder why French people hate America. Um, I always thought that Kevin Klein, is that his name? Kevin Klein? I thought he was yeah. British this entire time. Mm. No. But he's yeah, American. He's, yeah, he he's an actor that has done a lot of, maybe a character actor, or he, he does a lot of different roles. Mm-hmm. He's not always just playing the same character. He kind of falls into different accents and characters. Yeah, because I don't really like recognize that. him in any other movie. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the only other thing I'm thinking of is Wild Wild West, and that was not good. <laughs> He's not. I don't see anything. I, I definitely don't think he was. He's in a lot of kids' movies. Although he oh, was he credited was in the for Beauty and the Beast remake. He played Maurice, Hunchback of Notre Dame. What? He's credited in that. Okay. I don't know who he plays. Oh, he's in El Dorado. Okay. Kill of Despero. He's in a lot of voice acting. Kenneth Branagh. I love El Dorado. That's an adventure movie. For sure. Beyonce, yeah. Had you ever heard of her? Dude, Beyonce, dude. Bay once. (laughs) This is my favorite Beyonce movie. For sure. I think it's gotta be. What else is there? (laughs) Uh Dreamgirls. Austin Powers. The Lion King remake 2019. Yeah, no, I'll go. Not, with the Pink not a lot. Yeah. Pink Panther, let's go. And actually, you know what's really funny is that you cannot find the song that she wrote for this or that she sings in this on mm. Spotify. It's not in her discography. Mm-hmm. And any time someone asks me, "Oh, what's your favorite Beyonce song?" which I, I say that as if I get asked that all the time. I, yeah. I maybe been asked that like once or twice, but <laughs> every time someone asks me that, I'm like, "A oh, woman like me." And they're like, what are you talking about? And then I just give up. I'm like, Pink Panther. And they're like, what? And then I'm like, uh, well, uh, Halo. Love on top. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) They went hard. This might win best original song, actually. So. Oh, okay. And it's going to be up there for best comedy as well in our staple awards year four. It's got to be. It has to. Um. Anyways, like, Woman Like Me is my favorite Beyonce song. They wants Queen B, you know what I'm saying? Oh, um, man. Just behind it is probably Love on Top, Halo, and On a Bad Day and a Good Day, Irreplaceable. <laughs> on a Bad Day and a Good Day. I, you know, I always like to bring up the movie posters and the taglines for, for movies. Didn't you have a movie poster of this? No, I have that weird 
I feel like you had a movie poster of this. No, hanging I don't in your room. Remember that at all? That's weird. I wish I did. <laughs> Maybe I should get one. Yeah. <laughs> um I saw two different ones and so I looked it up and I guess actually this is kind of interesting. Like IMDb has a section with like all the taglines associated with the movie. So I'm going to yeah. read out okay, all the ones on this one. I want you to, I'm going to ask which one you think is the best. Buckle up. These are going to be real bad. This is the one. I mean, they're not super bad, but the first one that I remember actually being on the DVD case was get a clue. That's mm-hmm. just all it says. Like, get a clue. Eh, okay. Vague enough to make no sense. Um, the other one was he wasn't born to greatness but he might just stumble across it. Oh, because he's a stumbling, bumbling buffoon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this one is my favorite here. It just says, pardon his French. <laughs> I feel like that's the best one. That is the best one. So I far. Like that, are there any more? There's one other one, but it's kind of long. It just says, the Pink Panther diamond is missing, and the world's greatest detective is solving the case one mistake at a time. Bro, who gets paid for this? We could do that job so much better. <laughs> that I is the part, lamest thing ever. I pardon his French should have been on the DVD. Pardon his French. Instead, add get a clue. Yeah. That's like a zany dog movie. Pardon his French. Life is getting rough. <laughs> I feel like because this movie is such a quotes heavy movie, we just need to get into it now. Like, we don't even need to talk about the movie or the scenes. We just got to get into the quotes, and then we can do our analysis We can get off into the the other stuff later. Okay, yeah. But I wrote down a lot for this one. Okay. Um, Starting off, one that we always say is, and it's very early on in the movie, is whenever uh, Clouseau is trying to help that person in the electric <laughs> chair, like trying to get across the street and it like dies and he's trying to put the jumper put cables or whatever the negative on. Negative to the positive and the positive to the negative and you have it. There you are. You are ready to go. <laughs> and he just goes backwards and crashes. I love the slapstick, like all the explosions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the over the top explosions for minor problems. Yeah, the best one is like the biker like falls into a <laughs> no. hot dog stand and the stand just explodes. <laughs> it's so out of pocket. You don't even think it's going to happen. Oh, it's so funny. Also, just side note, this movie just has a vendetta against bikers, <laughs> cyclists. <Yeah. laughs> like, the, uh, just that the rolling globe that he like knocks off and it goes out into the street and it just knocks over. <laughs> like all, that entire like line of, of cyclists going down the street. And then it's just a running gag where it's just like following them around the city and <laughs> yeah, knocking yeah. over bikers. <laughs> um, what am I thinking of? I don't know. What's the bike race? Oh, the Tour de France. Yeah, the Tour de France. That's what that was. <laughs> the Tour de France. That's how I sounded. The French Tour, man. The French Bike Tour, man. <laughs> I ain't got motors on them bikes, man. Like how pedal themselves? What are they wearing them space suits for? I do feel like that negative to the positive line though is like something we say and is an inside quote when we like don't really know what we're doing. We're yeah. just like pretending like we know what we're doing or something, or we're whipping <laughs> up something in the kitchen or something. It's like is it negative to the positive, the positive yes. to the negative, and here we go. <laughs> I think another one that we do is, um, you say this boof is some proof. Oh, for sure. 
And what would be a context that we would say that? In? We don't actually say it in context ever, <laughs> but we could like it's as a warning before we um pass gas. Sorry to the listeners. We are also human. Definitely a standout scene for any kid. Oh, sure. it's so funny. Um, we you said early on in the in the episode, probably my favorite quote of the movie is when he's doing the press conference and the reporter asks him, "It's like, do you know if the killer was a man or a woman?" It's like, well, of course I know that. What else is there? A kitten? <laughs> Dude, my favorite one is. Is there anything with you? Any anyone with you? You have a pair of high heels in that bag. And I say, not even a small pair of pumps. <laughs> not even a small pair of pumps. <laughs> it's just like the he mutilated the French accent there. Oh, yeah. That's like the worst of it, I would say. That's so good. As, and the whole scene there is really funny when he hears the guy come in and he's wearing cleats and he thinks it's a woman. He's just like, everybody, shush. It's a woman. Brunette, 5'2", five, 5'4". Five, and she's wearing... Chanel number five. <laughs> and then it's just Yuri, the trainer who trains. I feel like a good one, just to say, like, one that we use, too, is just like, good one, Ponton. Good one, Ponton. <laughs> and it's not that we're actually fighting each other. It's just when we make a good joke or something or make a good point. It's just like, yeah, good one, Ponton. Stop browbeating her. Can't you see she's sexy? <laughs> so good. <laughs> He is not pushing up daisies. He is dead. <laughs> this was just peak. I just love the literal humor. Yeah. And there's there's so much comedy, too, that we can't really convey over a podcast because it's just physical comedy. It's visual. Yeah. Um, like like the exploding cart. We are, <laughs> the, the we are in for a treat whenever we cover Mr. Bean because he doesn't even talk. Oh, man. <laughs> But we'll get through. I never together. thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> we just have to quote everybody else in the world except for Mr. Bean, like yeah. all the other side characters. Uh, let's see. When he's in the hotel with Beyonce, he's like, "Oh yes, baby. Oh yes." <laughs> well, hello, my he's little bl- my little blue pill for middle aged men. But he's swinging after he like starts the fire on accident in the bathroom, and he's just swinging like the, 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 the another another the shower head explosion. Just, well, hello. Well, hello. We need fresh towels and two of them. Anyways, we're probably annoying our, our our listeners with constant quotes. Oh, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> um, that might actually that might have been. Back in the day, that was probably my standout quote from this movie. I used to say that a lot. People would just say something like, who cares? <laughs> Could be yeah. a trap. Use, use. Another one, and it's, it's, just, it's actually in the dialect coaching scene when he's trying to pronounce. It's like, I would like to buy a hamburger. Yeah. The way he says the word to, where he's like, toi? Toi? We, we do that a toi? lot. Man, I hate it when we've... We don't realize what we're quoting until we're covering the movie on this podcast. We <laughs> quote this movie three times a week without us even knowing. Do I? Do I? It's like we'd say that as if it's like means what in French or something eh, like that. Do I? Do I? Do I? Was it fatal? <laughs> yes. How fatal? Completely. I want to talk to him now. <laughs> he can't. He's dead. Ah. 
I think one of the things I've always liked about this movie. Do you, do you have any more quotes that you're about Ooh, to say? The breeze feels good. <laughs> that breeze feels good. <laughs> I say that a lot too. There's there's so many for us. Yeah, we got to heavy before... heavy inside quotes. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the things that I've always liked about this movie was like it revolves around like a soccer team. Yeah. And I, I, I just, soccer has always been like my favorite sport. That was our family sport, I would say. And so I feel like that was, uh, I don't know, part of the story that I liked. Yeah. Um, and I was going to mention like when I rewatched it, I was like, man, there's no way like that is that beginning scene is real. But like I was watching some of the behind the scenes and like that is like a stadium full of extras. Whoa. Like 15,000 extras. And they shot it like over a few days, like filming those soccer scenes. And there's actually a lot more that they ended up filming. Yeah. It's just they needed to cut it. Why um, did they not just film it at a game? <laughs> that makes that doesn't make any sense. Really? Like I watched just like Rudy. Yeah. Um basically the, the thought process was like they had a lot of extra scenes at the beginning. And basically it was like we know that you're here to see like Inspector Cluzo and like we need to get to the jokes. Yeah. And so they kind of cut out some of the stuff that kind of explained some of the plot a little bit more. Yeah. And some of the extended soccer footage that they had. Yeah. The director was saying all the test screenings basically was saying like the first like big laugh of the movie is whenever Cluzo shows up in Paris and Nicole gets on his shoulders. Like that's yep. the big laugh of the movie. <laughs> and so they kept cutting stuff out to get to that scene quicker. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean they they, they did have to set up a mystery. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have Cluzo without the actual plot. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But to me, honestly, it seems like the murder would have been solved since the murder happened in front of 70,000 fans. And probably dozens of cameras. Yeah. Like, the way it was described at the end, it showed it, mm-hmm. and it was just like, yeah, he clearly just jammed it into his neck. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cameras were on him when he handed her the ring. Spoiler alert. Beyonce didn't kill him. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Pretty avoidable with a little bit of ESPN, you know what I'm saying? And even if it wasn't caught on camera, you'd think at least one of the other players that were like yeah. surrounding him would have seen it. <laughs> but it's plausible that there was just so much going on that people didn't notice. Yeah. yeah. I love that they made him drive a smart car. It's so ironic yeah. that they gave the dummy the smart car. <laughs> I love it. My vocab word for the Pink Panther from 2006 is the word priceless. <laughs> I didn't really uh it that that's one of those words that took me a long time to figure out because like the price is less so that means it's worthless you know mm. but that's the, actually the opposite what the desk was priceless yeah so that's mine mm. I think I think I learned that word from those like MasterCard commercials back in the day. Do you remember those campaigns? No. It was like it would it would like list an item and it'd be like a hundred dollars. This thing, five hundred dollars. This other thing, which was like sentimental value, would be like priceless. I you know, it, it was just like it was like a MasterCard thing. Back priceless. In the day. 
No, I don't remember that. <laughs> That's where I learned that one. Well. <laughs> See, I make movies educational. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got it. You got to have a vocab word. So when you think of this movie, what is the first scene that comes to your head? Like, what do you think of first? Oh, man. Honestly, the first scene. Like, it's exciting. Like the soccer scene. The soccer Not stuff. Not the funny okay, part. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Soccer stuff. Um, definitely, I the visual in my head is at the ball when they're in those wallpaper suits. It's very form-fitting. <laughs> <laughs> paper yeah. suits dancing um and then when they're in new york the new york stuff yeah i think i think my favorite scene of this movie is um when he goes to the casino and he runs into the other oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the other spy and he like stops the gas mask bandits yeah flame it i'm not supposed to be here right remember <laughs> The weather is great this evening. I'm also in law enforcement. <laughs> Am I that obvious? <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Um, that was Clive Owen. And I remember at the time, I feel like there was a lot of rumors of him like taking over James Bond at oh, that really? time. Or like there had been rumors that they had wanted him or something. And so I felt like like I caught even back then, like, oh, that's like an homage to like him, like almost being James Bond or something where he gets to play 006. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's kind of nice. But I've seen a few movies with him. I've always liked him like as an actor. So I, I, I liked seeing him in this movie. And I always thought that was really funny. The casino, and then he runs into, um, I guess the guy's name is LaRock. He has that encounter yeah. with the piranhas upstairs. <laughs> and like the scene that you were mentioning. Right. The vocab word was like priceless. He didn't even explain the scene. No, I didn't. No, but- for sure. <laughs> You're gonna have to li- you're gonna have to watch the movie yourself. <laughs> yeah, that was a really deep cut quote. <laughs> but he's t- he's talking about the dusk was priceless. Clouseau gets the vases stuck in his hands, and he's like, yeah. "Is this? Are these vases? Is this? Are these valuable or anything?" And he's like, "No." And then he smashes it Worthless on his desk. replicas. And then the desk just collapses yeah. and breaks. He's like, "Yeah, that desk was priceless." Um. Yeah. So, this is a mystery movie at heart. Well, it's got the bones of a mystery movie, but it's a comedic movie at heart. I'd say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is it comes out of at a time where like mystery movies aren't necessarily huge. I feel mm-hmm. like that's definitely like a a twentieth century thing, nineteen sixties, seventies. You know, um. And I feel like a lot of people give this movie a bad rap because of that. I mean, what are what are some of the movies in this century that are good or even just mediocre mystery movies? I mean, we've got the well, Knives Out stuff that's in Glass Onion and um, Murder on the Orient just, Express. I was going to say, that they're kind of having a little bit of a renaissance right now yeah. with those movies specifically. Um, I think mysteries typically have like lived more on like TV, though. It's yeah. just like mystery shows and detective shows. Yeah, like Stranger Things, I guess. Kind of. I mean, I the biggest thing maybe is like Sherlock back, you know, not too yeah, long ago. Yeah. That was pretty big. Sherlock Again, is that always was like a, TV. Sherlock is always going on. He's he's like Batman. He's he's sure. like the UK's Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I can see that though. I mean, I like 
I don't think that there's really been, especially in like the early 2000s, like I don't think mystery movies were all that popular. Yeah. I mean, Scooby-Doo, um, of course, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't forget about um, that. But I, I really like, I genuinely, maybe it's because I was a third, fourth grader, but I genuinely did not guess that it was Yuri the Trainer Who Trains. Mm. <laughs> um, did you? No, I didn't like. No, I didn't guess it. When like, it's not necessarily it, a well written like who done it, you know. But it's mm-hmm. like, it got me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who it was, at all. And it's a very like yeah. basic, um, basic mystery story. I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than that. Usually, in a mystery movie, you can tell what's going on. And like you kind of like guess who's the who's the killer or who's the thief, you know, just because mm-hmm. you're following the inspector the whole time. But this in this case, we're laughing the whole time at him. We're not necessarily paying attention. And they t- they flat out tell you who did it and why or like the reasoning, the the biggest clue. But it's in Chinese. Yeah, that's that's how they get. That's how they got me. <laughs> I think it's kind of genius the way they did that because then otherwise you'd be pretty bored with a mystery you've already solved. Yeah. But if you don't know Chinese, it's probably it's great. I don't know. I love. I I you know I've never thought of that. If if someone watched this movie and spoke Chinese, would they would like the dialogue actually match what the subtitles said? Like, would that actually give away? You need to look for trainers because, or especially trainers with military background that can locate the occipital lobe and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh man, i i want to I want to have someone that's never seen this movie and that speaks Chinese to see if they figure out the ending halfway through the movie. <laughs> but I always did think that was like a funny joke. Uh, that's the reveal at the end. It's like Ponton, you were there, don't you remember? <laughs> then it cuts back to the scene. Well, with of the course, subtitles. I know Chinese. <laughs> Like he was just playing it off. That yeah, yeah. Genuinely, that's how they got us. Mm. So, do you think Clouseau is is actually brilliant? You know, they say most geniuses have horrible social skills, yet <laughs> they're always three steps ahead of you. Yeah. So, I believe it. I think they're going the Jar Jar Binks route. Honestly, Roger oh, Binks is a bumbling buffoon, often the idiot, but we all know who's behind the Sith Lords. The best part is just his lack of awareness yeah. <laughs> because of, in, in all social situations. And then every now and he's, then he is aware of what he's doing, but he's aware of like the wrong thing. He's like drawing attention to the wrong yes. thing. And like, <laughs> like my favorite part of the rewatch. Like I don't it's not my favorite part of the movie, but it's my favorite part of this current watch. And it cracked me up. I didn't really get it until this time. Um whenever he's examining um I guess what was he examining? With those huge goggle glasses. Yeah, the magnifying uh, glass glasses. What was he holding? He's like reading some do- he's like reading documents okay. or something like that, a case and file. Nicole walks in and he's looking at her and talking and as she's leaving, he's like, Nicole, may I please be frank with you? You've put on a lot of weight. <laughs> and, he's, and he realizes he's wearing the glasses and he gets embarrassed. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. never mind. He's like, now, what I do when I get a little heavy? 
it's like the only time that he caught himself being an idiot mm-hmm. and he actually felt embarrassed but he wasn't embarrassed in front of anybody it was just him i don't even think she understood what he was talking about i think i think the only times he gets embarrassed maybe that's not true i i was gonna say he gets embarrassed like around girls or something like that yeah. like he's like it seems like he has a soft spot for the ladies like anytime he's talking to like the men he's like do not leave town do not leave the americas and then uh, beyonce's like i need to go to new york and do something vague he's like well if you absolutely have to do something <laughs> vague then go ahead yeah it's all part of the character which is also another like comparison maybe to james bond yeah except like he's totally inept when it comes to the ladies so it's <laughs> He's a lady killer. A what are you talking about? Aspect I liked. Have you gotten a dinner date with Beyonce before? I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. Holding out hope though. <laughs> but he's he's definitely like he's very arrogant around like other people most of the time. He's not aware. He's very he thinks cocky. he's smarter than he is. Yeah. But at the he's... same time, like they do make a, a good case at the end and in some of the other movies of him like putting details together that people didn't notice and like solving the case. Mm -hmm. But it's usually like, you never know, like, did he really think that and put, and you know, was he really that smart or was he just like stumble across? Yeah. It was an accident. Yeah. I mean, in a way it kind of was cause he wouldn't have found out unless he had made the news at, in the TSA line, which is insane. The way that he and he enhanced that picture you can't see anything. It's really funny. He noticed <laughs> that the Pink Panther diamond in the X-ray machine. No, there ain't no way. But that was an accident. Yeah, it's true. Do not leave Americas. Europe, Asia, or the America. But I have to go to Asia. <laughs> I feel like usually in a mystery, you can usually tell by the way people are like acting or talking, interacting with the the detective or whatever that they're definitely guilty of something they look a little suspicious but in this movie they kind of made us like sympathize with him like oh great let's just just let him do his job man (laughs) like come on (laughs) when he's talking to yuri Mm -hmm. um and we're kind of like on his side more than clouseau's as like a normal human being right and he, he he doesn't react like he's guilty at all really and uh, it, yeah, they do a really good job of, of hiding the the clues. That's true because you, in all the interactions with other people, you're always like the other person is always like the straight man. They're like yeah. the everyday. That's the person that like we can relate to in the movie. Yeah, yeah. more so than him because we're like it's like we're experiencing this interaction, this like awkward interaction with this person. Yeah, from their point of view and not from Clouseau's. <laughs> And so I think you have a point. It's just like we kind of sympathize with that other person that is like having to talk to him. I mean, this <laughs> is a put pretty up with... good mystery. <laughs> the more I think about it, it's probably a gooder, a gooder mystery than most I've seen. <laughs> well, so I watched some of the deleted scenes on this, and yeah. there was there was a they were trying to make it a little bit more to add to some of the mystery near the end of like not knowing who the killer was. There was a scene where like the casino owner, LaRock comes and visits Beyonce, like in her dressing room before her like performance. Okay. At like the, at the whatever cat, um, palace or whatever. 
And it's like, he, he thinks the diamond should be his cause the football guy, the coach owed him a lot of money and stuff like that. So he's like pressuring her to like give him information. And so that's like another added scene that was there to like make you think like maybe he did it. Maybe it was the soccer player that was jealous. Maybe it was Beyonce. You like, you don't really know. They ended up cutting it, but there was some other scenes to kind of add to the mystery that I thought were actually kind of good. Oh, it's, it's you. (laughs) It's you. But don't give me a list of everybody in the city named you. (laughs) Even that was an accident. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He figured out the whole final clue that helped him solve it from an accident. From wow, <laughs> maybe he isn't a genius. He's maybe just not. really lucky. Uh, when he's talking to the chief, he's like, "Oh, do you, have you narrowed down a list of suspects?" And he's like, "Yes." He's like, "How many?" He's like, "Twenty-seven thousand." <laughs> the chief's just like, "Oh, it's just a matter of time now, isn't it?" I have gotten rid of one. Glow. <laughs> Gloire ah, yes. is the victim. Very good, Inspector. Very good, Inspector. <laughs> we think alike. <laughs> yeah, this is so good. So, this brings us back. Who is going to be the new Pink Panther? Who has the chops to be recast as Jacques Cousteau? I mean, Jacques, Jacques Clouseau. That's way too similar. <laughs> Um, hmm. I don't know because, uh, like, the original actor Peter Sellers was British. He Steve was Martin British. Is, okay. is American, so I don't know where they where they go next. I think they should go back to British, or A maybe French an actual Canadian? French, French Canadian, French fellow. Yeah, I'm also wondering, like, if they're incorporating the Pink Panther CGI character into it, like, will it be a speaking character or not? Like. Like, is it a wisecracking Ooh. Pink Panther? Like, Pink Panther in the cartoons isn't, I mean, he doesn't really talk, right? He's just like, it's like a silent right, comedy. Right, right. He's always like, appears smarter. Are they going to Lyle Lyle crocodile it and get like Sean Mendez to be the Pink Panther? <laughs> as long as Andy Samberg's not in this, I'm happy. And okay. I love Andy Samberg. I just feel like he would bring the worst vibe to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Listeners, if you have a suggestion to be to recast Inspector Jacques Clouseau, let us know on our Instagram because we are the casting directors for this new franchise. So we'll this pass it point, up. We're like the casting directors of every franchise at this point. Of any future movies needs to come through us. <laughs> we're just the Muppets agents right now. That's who we are. <laughs> I wish. Can it be my dream to shake Kermit the Frog's hand? Can that be a bucket list item? Is that attainable? I think so. Like the actual Kermit the Frog. Somebody's puppeting and I want to shake his hand. That seems like a dream, like a, like a good life goal for me. Anyway, should work on that. We can get him to be a guest on the podcast. That's an interesting uh, bucket list. Like we, like we don't know. even need the performer to be performing the puppet to do the voice on the podcast. Yeah. But he would commit to it. Totally. <laughs> So we'll just invite him over to our place and we'll record. <laughs> Have Kermit. I think it's a good idea. Okay. Well, Jeremy, do you have any takeaways for this movie? Any lessons learned? Um, just that I shouldn't leave Europe, Asia, or the Americas. Probably a good idea. 
Just be safe, you know? Even, unless it's something vague. <laughs> Can't be seen going to a diamond cutter. Not after all that. <laughs> uh, my my takeaway from this movie is a bit of an up, a little bit of advice that Clouseau okay. shares at the end of the movie. He says, "A woman is like an artichoke. You have to do a little <laughs> bit of work to get to her heart." Pretty. It's actually a really sweet, <laughs> really sweet quote. <laughs> I don't know what's better, that or ogres are like onions. You know, you know, cake's got layers. Cake. Everybody love cake. <laughs> Dude, how have we not done Shrek yet? We need to do Shrek. Should get to it. There are too many movies. We're gonna have to do this podcast till our fifties. I'm pretty sure that in time, the podcast will go on for infinity because we'll just have AI start producing our podcasts using yeah. archive recordings of our voice. Fine with me. Yeah. And we'll just go on. Let's just do that now. We don't have to do all the work. (laughs) I want to hear an AI version of a childhood story of what it comes up with. I don't want that. (laughs) What does it come up with? That's scary. (laughs) Ooh. Okay. Does this movie make you want to go to France? Yeah, actually. I think I've never really had a desire to go to Paris just because Mm. I feel like I'm going to be underwhelmed Mm. by all the tourists. Yeah. Uh, but I would like to go on a World War II um, tour. Go see the beaches in Normandy. Go to the mm-hmm. south of France. <laughs> Eat some good French cuisine. You can you can tell. I mean, a lot of scenes are shot on location over there, which is yeah. pretty good. I, I, I think the movie has pretty good production value. Except for the fact that they didn't have any uh, French actors and actresses. <laughs> The uh, well, uh, what's his name? Jean Reno. Oh yeah, I think is French. But other than that, yeah. And before that, <laughs> farmers. Ah uh, yes, a little lamb. Who must come into the direction of a genius? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that just reminded me. Of <laughs> He's talking to the the music producer. And he's telling him not to leave town like he's been saying, you know. And, and the producer's just like, but I don't know anything. And Clouseau's just like, yes, about love, uh, about life, about love. <laughs> yes, you wet little puppy. <laughs> like a wet little puppy. But about the murder, you may know something. <laughs> he said it under his breath, too. Ah, I love this movie. When he just gets like a little arrogant and like starts to insult people, it's so funny. <laughs> Jonathan, what's your letterbox score for this? So I, I kind of struggled with this one a little bit on where I'm going to put it, but I eventually settled on a four out of five for me. Okay. I felt like I wanted to rate it higher because it's so quotable, and I feel like I've given other movies a pass, but for yeah. whatever reason, I gave this one a four out of five. Okay. I can also agree with that. I don't think it's below a three, and I don't think it's mm-hmm. above a four. No. Um. I think it's solid. I think the jokes hold up. Mm-hmm. And like I've said, I think it's my, I think it's the most cohesive, most entertaining Pink Panther movie for me. Again, the old ones have sure. really high highs. There's some great moments in them, but because of their older movies and stuff, there's just, they're kind of a little bit yeah, slower. They're not necessarily sort of consistently funny. Yeah. 
And some would argue that this one is way too funny. So I feel like with the backlash it gets, even 4.0 is generous to some people. So I'm happy with that. Oh, yeah. It averaged like 2.7 on Letterboxd. I feel like every time I do a rating on Letterboxd, I'm bringing up the score. Yeah, I feel really good about that. Because <laughs> I rate everything higher than, than the average, mostly. Yeah. Unless I really hated it. It's not fair, because a lot of people have different scoring methods. Yeah, It's, it's all, like, five out of five stars. But their scale is completely skewed. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Honestly, it's it's pretty bad if I rate anything less than three, sc- three stars. Like, it's <laughs> it's pretty bad. And I even have to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, another day, another staple. Well, everyone, our only question left is, what's your favorite quote from The Pink Panther? Let us know on Instagram at InsideQuotesCast. Yeah, and if you haven't followed us, go ahead and do that and let us know if there's any movies you want us to cover on the show. And Jeremy, next week, it's going to be your turn. Yeah. Got a hint for what we're going to be covering next I, time? I decided we're going to go ahead and continue um, the series we've been working on month by month. So. Uh, here's the, here's a clip from it. Ronald would like me to tell you that Seamus told him that Dean was told by Pavati that Hagrid's looking for you. Is that right? Well, what? Uh, um... Dean was told by Pavati that Please don't ask me to say it again. Hagrid's looking for you. Well, you can tell Ronald... I'm not an owl! All right, our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman, and you could find him on Instagram at GroovyBridge. And our music was done by the Fly Guy 5. And we would love it if you left us a five-star review. If you do, we promise to read it on the show. But more importantly, five-star review, and we'll assign Ponton to you as your personal assistant. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about our childhood staples just as much as we have. And if you did, make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Also, if you like the show, share it with a friend. Well, until next week, I urge you to stay vigilant and alert. Good one, Ponton.